Welcome to episode number 301 of Destination Linux. Destination Linux is a video podcast from the Tux Digital Network. If you're new to the show, Destination Linux is a podcast perfect for all experience levels. Whether you're brand new to open source or a guru of sudo, this is the show for you. My name is Ryan. I'm Jill. And I'm Michael. On this week's episode of Destination Linux, we're going to discuss our experience with the latest Ubuntu 22.10. That's right. We're doing a deep dive, a whole review of this distro we all hop to. We're going to give you the good, the bad, and not the ugly, but rather our hopes. We'll keep it positive. Our hopes for the distro, if there's any of those in there. Then we're going to take a look at Fedora 37 and all the treasures hidden inside the latest release. Plus, we have our tips, tricks, and software picks. All of this coming up right now on Destination Linux. This week, our community feedback comes from Nick. And if you want to send in your own feedback, you can go to tuxdigital.com slash contact to get in touch with us or join the Tux Digital community forum by going to tuxdigital.com and clicking on the forum link on the top of the page. Nick is responding to our discussion about privacy and tracking, and he has some interesting inside insights to share with us. Nick says, I work as a developer in the financial service industry and just wanted to let you know that this tracking is already taking place, even if you're not using these loyalty systems. We're talking about those loyalty cards at like Kroger and grocery stores and those type of things. Using the card you pay with can uniquely identify you by the name and last four digits of the card number. Then using some data brought in from other financial institutions like TransUnion or Equifax, they can build a profile on you. Let's take Walmart as an example. They're using ML to identify faces with their security cameras when you walk in and track the path that you take in their store. They also use the data and the info that they get when you check out to build a profile on you as a customer. They were testing expanding the system in 2019 with extra cameras and the whole thing is extremely dystopian feeling. I don't know why. What's wrong with having a bunch of big brothers uh. watching everything you do? It just The watchful eye just makes me feel more comfortable. It's about uh. your safety and the safety, safety of children. <laughs> That's why we do this. So they go on to say, unless you pay with cash at stores, and even then, not always the case, it's extremely difficult to maintain your privacy at retail stores. Small mom and pop shops aren't even safe from this. Computers like Square they make point of sale stations for these places, collect and send this info back to Square so they can see what you bought and the different types of stores you visit and those things. I've noticed this. A lot of these stores, small mom and pops are using Square. And then they have these loyalty programs. They're like that you have to fill out all these screens or they want you to fill out all these screens. And they make like the skip button super yeah. tiny in the tiny. bottom corner yeah. where you can't see it and all of that and they're just doing all these new ways to kind of build loyalty and they sell it to the restaurants or the stores is like hey now you can you know get a list of all your customers and be able to market and reach out to them but they're also double dipping because they're taking all your data and selling that stuff back as well michael i was so proud of you when we went to micro center so thanks buddy Aww. talk about <laughs> that story there with the high pressure sales that you were under it was so, so high pressure. I mean, I, I, I barely was able to get out from under it. It was, it was crazy. Uh, so what happened is that I, we, were, we were purchasing something at Micro Center, and they asked me for the phone number, and I said no. And that was it. Super was high it. pressure. But so it was funny. But I didn't know what to do. I thought security <laughs> was going to come. Cops were going to swarm. I heard uh, helicopter up above. Exactly. Big Brother yeah, was just super out. intense at Micro Center. But what was it was funny because at the the time, my my reaction they were like, "Hey, what's your phone number?" I was like, "No, like <laughs> you, you don't need that." 
And uh, like, because it made me laugh of like, I'm just buying this one thing. You don't, I, I, I don't even live here. There's not even a micro center in my state. I don't know. And when we're walking out, Ryan's like, I'm so proud of you. Oh, <laughs> like, I what? I would. <laughs> I am too, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I, I tell this to all of my friends. And, and listen, I you, you do it in a nice way always. And you did it in a very yeah. nice way. We're trying to be funny and kind of talk about it. But really, it was like, no, no, thank you. And then we moved on. Yeah. Um, that but that's nice. as simple as it is. Because, you know, I don't want to make anybody in retail's job harder. And I know that they get a lot of pressure to try to capture this mm -hmm. information and anything else. But and we also know that they don't personally care if you say yeah, no. Yeah, they, they don't care. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just say, no, thank you. You know, when they ask for email, phone numbers, that type of stuff. But this person's correct. You know, even if you're just swiping your card and they're not even asking for email and everything else, you've got transactions that are being built on you. Yeah. I know in, in my family, we've moved to a cash system. Um, so we get mm -hmm. cash out every month and that's the money that we spend. It helps us to make sure that we stay within budget, most importantly. But number two, cash is just... It's so blissful compared to a credit card because you actually see something tangible leaving. Whereas yeah. otherwise, I'll be like Brandon from Pseudo Show and have eight new pieces of hardware. And I'll be like, I don't know how the credit card <laughs> statement got so high. <laughs> um, yes. So, you know, the cash is a really... And if I buy something online, I just fold one of those physical bills and use it for the next month. So that, you know, if I do those transactions. Um, so, yes, these things are very tricky. And there's a lot of ways they're working on getting your information, even just walking in the store now, they're tracking and getting your information. So I don't know, this is a tough situation to overcome. We desperately need privacy laws to protect people. And if you had somebody who was just staring through your window, they're like, hey, don't mind me, I'm just collecting uh. information about what you're doing. You would have a problem probably with that, but somehow we're okay with it everywhere else we go. And it's just, it's just not right. So, oh, yeah, this is unfortunately so true. And thank you, Nick, for bringing this to our attention. In fact, speaking of cash, uh, Ryan, uh, me and my hubby pay uh, cash for everything. And yeah. we don't even have a real credit card because we play cash for everything. Oh, I, was, I thought you were going to say you use Michael's credit card instead because yeah. that's what I, I mean, do. Yeah, no, I mean, that, I have that explains the, it. I have the Chase ATM cards. And in fact, me and my hubby set up a separate account just for doing online with Amazon and going uh, uh, retail shopping. So we have a separate account just for that. <laughs> Actually, it's a good tip. Having yeah. multiple, like, multiple bank accounts is a good tip because you can yes. isolate and, absolutely. You know, just categorize and organize much easier that way. Well, credit cards are dangerous on multiple fronts. Yeah. They're dangerous from the fact that you're handing over the physical card to people, which does get copied. This is a yeah. big thing going on. Um, and then even on websites, you know, you're assuming, you're hoping that their stuff's secure. We've seen thousands of instances where it's not. Uh, there are a lot of ways people utilize temporary credit cards or different things that only have a certain amount of money you load cash on them, but work like a credit card, the different things like that. Ultimately, yeah. this is a little outside of what Nick was talking about, but there are definitely options. Maybe we'll cover it in another. We, we've covered it in few past episodes. Maybe we'll cover some ways you can avoid some of this stuff in future episodes, including maybe painting your face with that special paint that like reflects the cameras back at them. That could be a thing, so they can't track you in stores. I mean, that's the thing in, mm -hmm. in that's the thing in movies and TV shows. I've seen uh, it, yeah, so. like Splinter Cell video game. They do that, so it's got to <laughs> yeah. be a real life thing. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll test it out and we'll do a live stream. Yeah, see if it works. We'll just we'll walk and like we'll walk into like a Walmart and say, "Hey, can we see your security footage and see if it worked?" <laughs> 
see if it works. Like, right? uh, what? Oh my goodness! <laughs> I have have had friends who worked at Walmart and told me about this, so I don't step foot in there. <laughs> That's probably just a good life hack tip. Yeah. Yeah. Don't step foot. I, I in think Walmart. the whole tracking thing is interesting. Like, and it makes me kind of appreciate the GDPR more. Because like there are certain things in your in Europe that you can do that they have to request your permission before they do it, whereas in the U.S. Yeah, they just true. they just do it because yeah. it's automatic. Um, so there is that. But I also wanted to give you a little bit of a pro tip. So because we're in a society now that you know wearing face masks is commonality. Uh, you could, you know, go into the store wearing a face mask and no yeah. one's going to think twice about it now. But see, that, that's not yeah, even true because one. the AI now has, has become so sophisticated that it just picks up your eyes and is able to identify that way because yeah, that was an that's issue. That's fine. So that, that mask does nothing <laughs> for that. that that's not, I all, another pro tip, mask, sunglasses, hoodie. <laughs> Boom. Then you look like a bank robber and then you're going to get <laughs> followed ever. Just put a ski mask over your face when yeah, you yeah, walk yeah. in the store. All you need is a balaclava yeah. and you're good. That's it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm glad we solved it. Woohoo. <laughs> you know, the amount of value we offer the community uh, with our tips is just, it's really I, priceless. I mean, you, you can't really ask for more. We're still going to give you more later in the show because we have our software picks and their tips of the week still. Uh -huh. So, so much this episode. So you're much welcome. Yeah. So you're welcome. Now, if you're not, if you're curious about data collection and you want to collect your own data on Ryan when he goes to your website, you could set up your own analytical software on a droplet by going to do.co slash tux2022. There's lots of great software if you want to track. an ethical one. An, an ethical, ethical one, like <laughs> Matomo, for example. You could just quickly set it up in the marketplace and it's really easy. And there's a lot of benefit to doing that. But also there's so many other things you can do with DigitalOcean because it offers you a really nice, flexible way of having a cloud infrastructure that takes it out of your hands and allows them to do everything for you. So you can get back to doing what matters most, which is building apps for your business to grow and strength, strengthen your business. They have tons of great stuff like a comprehensive portfolio of compute, storage, database, and networking products, and so much more like they have predictable pricing, robust product documentation, and developers love the services, especially like the, the marketplace like I mentioned because you can get all sorts of great software really quick and easy to set up with just you know, just a few clicks and then you're good to go. Plus DigitalOcean, you can get support at every stage of growth where you have a team of one person like yourself or a team of thousands of people. DigitalOcean can help you get growing with their simple, powerful cloud computing. And as a listener of the Destination Linux podcast and a member of the Tux Digital community, you can get started for free. In fact, it's even better than free because DigitalOcean is giving you a $100 60-day free credit when you go to do.co slash tux2022. That's do.co slash tux 2022. So again, go get started with your $100 60-day free credit on DigitalOcean's awesome cloud platform by going to do.co slash tux2022. We want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of Destination Linux. You know, a lot of people ask the question, does marketing really work? And I'm about to drop a bomb of knowledge. I mean, this whole show has been a bomb of knowledge, a, but I'm about a, to drop another time. bomb of knowledge that... Right? Clearly it works because Michael goes to Ubuntu Summit and then we're doing a whole review on Ubuntu. Now we're covering right? Ubuntu. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yay. Marketing works. See, they, so, they invited Michael. Now we all have to, to do the testing and stuff because of- To be clear, 
we're not saying that was the purpose no, that they but it invited worked. us, but it did work. You know, I, I talked about it in my talk at, I, I did an open source marketing talk at the Ubuntu Summit. And in the, the talk, I mentioned how I, this, this is not really what they're meaning to do necessarily by doing this conference, but it did make me think about it and set up, you know, Ubuntu or Kubuntu in my case on my machine. And that is, you know, a, there's so many different ways that marketing is undervalued and underappreciated. So, you know, check out that talk if you want. It's going to be, we'll, we'll have a link to the Ubuntu on air uh, version for it if you want to check that out. Yep. And interestingly, though, while that's a funny story to say that it helped, and, and I think it did, mm -hmm. I was actually already switching because we want to finally put Pipewire in, which we're going to talk about in it. Oh, yeah. The big thing Yay. I was waiting on. So, that was one of the big holdouts. Every time Ubuntu was, had a new release, I was like, yeah, don't have Pipewire. I can't really go to it because I need it for how we do the show and things. We're going to get into that in a moment. Jill, you didn't really need any marketing because you have 800,000 <laughs> machines. So yeah. you have Ubuntu installed on at least couple, some right? of them yeah. <laughs> already. Yes. So there's that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Including my uh, main broadcasting rig on on right. I'm on right now. I use Ubuntu LTS, or right now it's Ubuntu Mate. And you've been using that mm -hmm. since at least last year, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been using it uh, for game streaming since 2014 and for podcasting since 2017. <laughs> and why, why stick with it, Jill? Why not distro hop on your main machine like crazy, like most normal Linux people? Oh, well, I love the stability of Ubuntu and it's a solid Debian base. Debian is one of my favorite distros of all time because it works on all different architectures and a lot of my older machines. Yes, <laughs> I wonder why Jill has yeah, such a big it's fan stable. base, by the way, you know? Which, yeah. Which, which, says everything. You know, when I when I said that, she was like, oh, I felt like she was like, yeah. oh, you're stupid. But let me tell you no. about why. You <laughs> no, no, no. Ryan, I didn't mean it that way. I'm teasing. All right. And, yeah. Um, for me, also, oh, I use thing. it as a platform to run all my favorite X window managers on yeah. uh, while I'm doing destination Linux, like Window Maker, Flexbox, Enlightenment, TWM, and even Rat, Rat Poison. Poison a I few knew times. it. Yeah. I knew you were going to say Rat Poison. Yeah. Well, let's get into our review of Ubuntu 22.10. I want to start with the installation experience. As I mentioned in the prior episode when we were just talking about the release of this, nobody even comes close to Ubuntu's install. Like, it's not even, to me, a competition. When you look at the ease of going through the screens, the ease of the even getting to the advanced settings within there, just the overall flow of the installation Nobody does it better than Ubuntu, in my opinion. Oh, I totally agree. It's it's kind of crazy how much different it is in depending on certain installers compared to Ubuntu. It's just, you know, simple point and click, you know. You, and also there's different options. Like different flavors have different ways they do the installers, but it's all still the same experience of just, you know, start and go. And you don't have to worry in most cases about like doing partitioning and all that stuff. You can if you want to but you don't have to, and that's awesome. Their automatic yeah. partitioning is just on point. Like it, yes. it seems, it so seems to be in my head and know exactly what I want to do every time, no matter how yep. weird I've set up my system. You know, if, if there's a blank drive sitting there, it's going to pull that blank drive and be like, hey, this is the one you probably want to install it on. Yes, that makes sense. Whereas other distros are like, 
oh, you want to overwrite this other operating system over here? Is that where you want to start? No. There's you a want to delete this drive. entire drive? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or do you yeah. want me to install part on the full drive and part on the uh, blank drive? And like you yeah. see all these weird things happen with installers, but Ubuntu just seems to get it right every time. I also yeah, like the absolutely. fact that the um, there's the some of them have the minimal option or the minimal install. Yes. That's really nice because it allows you for those who don't know, it basically removes a bunch of the default settings. And if you if you already know what applications you want and you don't need the majority of what comes by default, you can do the minimal and get, you know, a kind of a more clean slate sort of thing. And if you don't know, then you get a nice options of having all these default options to see what applications are available. Yeah. And honestly, you know, this is one of the reasons why Ubuntu is so user-friendly and recommended for new users to Linux. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it is one of the driving forces to Ubuntu's awesome adoption when it came out back in 2004. Ubuntu really revolutionized ease of use on Linux. Yeah. yeah. I mean, doubt. it's interesting because when we were talking about, you know, using Ubuntu um, just in general, I... I I've been using Linux for a very long time, but I can say that Ubuntu was the first one that allowed me to use it as a primary option. Mm -hmm. So, and also exclusively at one point as well, because for a while there were not that many options. And when Ubuntu came around, they made it a lot easier. Yeah, yeah, and your sound cards worked out of the box, most of them. <laughs> Th that was nice. Who needs Yes. <laughs> Who needs sound cards? Right. And who needs Wi-Fi need or any of that yeah. stuff working? It's not important. <laughs> all right, so let's talk about the first start experience. So we got the installation. I think we all unanimously agree the installation is great. I'm going to be that guy, though. So I know someone's going to want to respond to my discussion here and say, I installed Ubuntu, and I didn't have that problem. Congratulations. Right. I'm going to talk about... Well, I experience with Ubuntu. Okay, let's see what and, problems and so, you're yeah. talking about. Yeah, so my first annoyance, then maybe annoyance is a little harsher, but my first issue that I ran across is Grub was hidden by default. And I'm talking about Ubuntu proper here. So this bothered me, not because I don't know how to go in and change Grub to have a timeout that's longer, but Ubuntu, we talk about that new user experience, Jill. Someone goes in, the first thing they're going to want to do with yeah. Linux is probably dual boot. And yeah. sure. Grub sure. being hidden by default removes that whole ability for them to see their Windows partition, which is going to immediately make them panic and go, oh my God, what happened to Windows? And That's so hard. I don't know if this is just my machine or if this is a new thing on all installs where they're hiding Grub by default. But any distro considering this, I would say I would ask them to reconsider that because I know it makes a cleaner experience. But I think when you're looking yeah. at maybe it's an option during install, by the way, where you could just say, do you want to skip grub or hide grub and just go immediately there and you just kind of leave it off by default. So if somebody knows what it means, they could click it yeah. or something like that. But I just think that's a bad move for a new user. That's an yeah, interesting and point. That's too. odd. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and really good point, Ryan. Um, you know, for me, usually Grub is visible by default when you have multiple OSs installed and they are detected out of the box. With all the LTS yeah. releases I've used, that's that's mm -hmm. been the case. I have some machines that have like 20 different distros on them and a bunch of you always, you know, finds everything. 
<laughs> and I actually installed Ubuntu 22.10 on in an, in a GNOME Boxes VM as well as on a three year old laptop, but I wasn't installing it with other OSs. So, so you didn't notice that that was an issue. Yeah, I didn't notice. I'm so sorry, Ryan. <laughs> no, Neil in our patron chat is saying that that was introduced a few years ago. That hidden menu, so that that may be a thing, but. I would recommend mm. them actually not do that. Maybe again, put an option in the the install there. Yeah, it was an interesting point you made about the the new user being kind of worried about it because they would like, "What happened to my Windows?" And yeah, that's a, I I didn't even yeah. think about that until you said it. That's a very interesting point. Oh, true. But I did want to say, Ryan, I installed Ubuntu and I didn't have that issue. <sighs> <laughs> So you're that Twitter user that tells me, hey, I didn't have the issue. Like, I don't know what to even say to people when they do that. Like, I don't know. Oh, you're right. You caught me. I was lying. Like, I don't know. Uh-oh. You have I a better gonna... machine. I will. Uh, even though I was giving you a little bit of a hard time, Ryan, I'll give, I'll, I will tell you the reason why I didn't have that issue is because I installed it on some isolated drives. So the only thing on those drives were the installs I did. And uh, I also have this uh, Flexi Dock, which is a device that you can install into your desktop that allows you to have multi boots. So you can easily just like turn a drive off and on or swap them out whenever you want to. And I made a video on that. I'll have it linked in the, in the show notes if you want to check it out. It's a really cool way to kind of do multi boot without having to deal with the headaches of multi boot. Although you're not going to be able to do that with like an M.2 or any of that sort of stuff. So, yeah. you know, it's pretty cool. But that's the reason why I didn't have the issues is because I didn't I didn't do the multi boot in the same way. Yeah. So I think that's something would be interesting to fix. Moving on to the desktop experience now. So once I got Ubuntu installed, I just want to take a moment and say the wallpaper this go around. Not not I'm not the other go rounds have been good too, but this go around the wallpaper selection has been on point. Like the artists who are doing the work. For Ubuntu's wallpaper. I just want to give you all a mad shout out. I gave you guys a shout out on the last episode, but it's freaking beautiful. Like the pictures you are creating are absolutely beautiful to the point where I'm actually using one of the things I do actually customize on my machine, believe it or not, is wallpapers. <laughs> one of the rare things. Whoa, uh, whoa, whoa, actually, whoa, whoa, whoa. You, you're yeah. saying you don't leave everything default? I just like I don't even know you anymore. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've changed, Michael. I've grown up. <laughs> I've changed. <laughs> well, with Ubuntu, I can leave the default wallpapers. And, and the one I specifically like isn't the one that it first boots into, but if you right-click on your desktop, if you're in the GNOME version, and then you set your wallpaper, there's one that's got the, what is the animal called? Gazelle or whatever it is, sitting on this plane Kudu. with this, yeah, that, uh, with the sun set and all yeah. of those things. It, it's gorgeous. The the Kudu uh, Kudu is absolutely beautiful. I like the Kudu that you picture. do. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I think kinetic kudu wallpapers are stunning as well, <laughs> Ryan. Yes. Yeah, they're very nice. Really I mean, the effort put in is you can tell that they're not just kind of like, you know, oh, it's another iterative version or whatever. They did put in effort into their wallpapers, which is always nice to see. Yeah. Yep. And for me, you know, it was so comforting actually just just boot up a uh, classic Ubuntu with for the first time and see the sidebar dock that we have been used to for so many years on Ubuntu. <laughs> It's like, oh, oh, Jill, it's app nice, tray indicators distro. by default. Like, what? Yeah. I know. What? It's amazing. With a system tray? What? Yeah, with a system huh? tray. And I really like the GNOME 43 quick settings and and being able to 
to use it in Ubuntu is, is, is sweet. And honestly, this was the first time I used GNOME 43 on a laptop. And yep. I love that you could access the power profiles with the quick settings in the uh, top right of the GNOME panel. It's just that that was awesome. Adding <laughs> features that GNOME added in, in this recent release, there were some yeah. really good features. They need to add the app tray and not make it an extension thing. But there were some good features like the sound input chooser and those type of things. Yes. And, and it made a difference, I feel like, in Ubuntu's overall feel. And Ubuntu did a great job, I think, of choosing good default settings along with their launcher and stuff, too. Mm -hmm. It oh, makes yeah. it very sure. invitable. Yep. Um, I agree. And I just want to state that while I did try Ubuntu proper a little bit, uh, it's not really my sort of thing in terms of desktop. And since we're talking about desktop, I just want to let everyone know that I use the Kubuntu sure. version yes, 22.10. Yeah. And it Kubuntu? was great. Oh, it's just, it's just interesting. It's it's pretty new. It came out uh, about six, seven months after Ubuntu in 2005. So it's fairly new. And it's a KDE Plasma version of Ubuntu. It's Kubuntu. Isn't that like the third most popular desktop in the world or something like that? Uh, I, I think you're talking about Plasma? No, I'm, see, I'm, see, the thing is, is that Plasma is is not, it's, it's super popular, but also people just don't understand the pure value that it offers. So we're, we're fixing that soon. And Kubuntu is is in the front, the forefront of making that happen. So the first experience of Kubuntu is one of the best, actually. It's like one of the best out-of-the-box experiences for KDE Plasma. Yeah. And uh, I have been enjoying it the whole time. Also, the, it's kind of interesting because I have contributed to Kubuntu in the past, and they have a lot of great changes that I requested that some distributions oh, it's all of Plasma... Of you. No, no. Is that what you're it's, trying to say? I am no, absolutely <laughs> not. Could everyone just take a moment and stroke Michael's ego for a second so that he can uh, feel better about himself? I would never Aww. do this. This is that's ridiculous. <laughs> I would never. So what I am saying is that the team of Kubuntu listens to their community and does changes that they feel is a good change. And I appreciate that. Yes, a lot of the changes were from me, but I didn't make them. I just suggested <laughs> them. And, and if you try Kubuntu and you say, yes, this is a great out-of-the-box experience, I would just say, you're welcome on behalf yes. of Kubuntu's team who actually did the work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There you go. Great job, Michael. Yes, we're very proud of you. Actually, yeah. you are correct, though. Kubuntu is one of the, when people want a good, they want to see how good KDE can be. Yeah. I think Kubuntu is a really good starting point. I typically suggest Kubuntu for anybody who wants to try Plasma and hasn't done it before because it's probably going to be the mm -hmm. best out of the box, uh, like not having to change a lot of stuff and that sort of thing. Okay, not to be that guy again, but the app store. <laughs> so <laughs> not to be that guy. <laughs> The app store is still slow, and I'm running this on a beast of a machine, like a really beastly machine here. This is not a slow computer at all. This is a very, very fast, expensive computer, and the app store is insanely slow. Like, specifically, when you click into any category, like, you know how they have categories for audio sure. or design or whatnot? It just, like, sits there. Forever to the mm. point where I actually went and tested my internet connection because I'm like, maybe it's my internet mm -hmm. connection. I actually thought the app store was broken, but eventually after like 15 to 30 seconds, it actually will load. Now, the mm. initial like pictures, you know, where it's like editor's choice or things when you open the store, that's fast. It's when you click into the category, category. you kind of got to wait and wait and yeah. wait and wait. 
and then it kind of fills in eventually. So it has a so, delay with the population of the categories? Those apps, yeah. Like it's maybe the server on their side. Now, it could have been a bad week last week because most of it was last week. Maybe they had some server issues or something else going on. Um, I could test it here when somebody else starts talking and see if I'm still having that issue. But that kind of really stuck with me. And then Snaps worked really well this time, by the way. I opened Firefox on this bare metal install and it opened immediately on there. However, right before this show, I had an issue with the Audacity Snap, not being able to grab my audio. So I went with the flat pack and it worked. So mm -hmm. I'm still on the fence about the Snap thing, personally. It just yeah. doesn't seem like it's completely um, complete. That, that ecosystem isn't complete yet. Yeah. Yeah. Just depending on the situation, like there's certain applications that are going to be better in Flatpak versus Snaps and vice versa, depending on what you need to do. You know, so it make and maybe kind of makes sense that Audacity would have that sort of an issue because of the whole new pipe wire thing. Maybe they don't yeah. have the pipe wire connection with the Snaps or something like that. You know. And yeah, Ryan, the Ubuntu software is actually always been a little slow with population but it's actually faster than it used to be and usually after you you know you you launch it the first time it's slow and by the time you launch it the second or third time it, it usually populates faster mm. yeah as an it's example uh, while you are were talking i clicked on productivity it took 13 yeah. seconds i counted to populate wow. anything mm. there so i clicked on it and just waited waited and then 13 seconds later everything pops in but some of the other categories it was like four or five seconds so there, there's something there they need to work on. Maybe yeah. I'll open That's a bug report. Maybe. And I found also that the Firefox Snap is now uh, loading much quicker. In fact, I no mm -hmm. noticed it greatly improved, actually, on uh, Ubuntu 22.04 LTS. Yeah, so the I team's definitely done some work in that direction. Again, uh, looking at forums and things, there's still a lot of people talking about speed there, so I think there's more work to be done, but definitely some improvements. Yeah, in this yeah I mean, also, they're aware that there needs to be some improvements in the speed of yeah. it, so, I mean, it's good that they're still working on it, and they're acknowledging that this is an issue, and um, the Firefox Snap has been a lot faster than it used to be. I remember when they first announced it and made it default, there was a lot of complaints, and now there yeah. are still complaints, but it's it's a lot less these days. Um, but I do want to say one thing about Kubuntu because I was using oh, Kubuntu for the most part <laughs> in this test. Um, I mean, I do like Ubuntu, but KDE Plasma is just, it's just what I like, so I'd use it. And Kubuntu has something that I didn't know that it seems to be new for this release. And it was a fantastic experience. And that is it has Flatpak by default. And nice. I was really happy to see that. Now, it didn't have the flat hub by default. It just had the Flatpak system installed. So I was wondering, like, how do they treat the flat hub adding? Is there, do I have to go through the process of like what I would normally do, kind of defeating the point? And the answer to that is no. If you just open the Discover store in Kubuntu and go to settings, it'll tell you like where you can get your sources. And there's this nice little button that says add flat hub. You just click it, put in your password, and you're done. You have access to the flat hub. Fantastic. Like that was so awesome to see. And also the experience of it was super simple. Click the button, put your password in, you're done. Awesome. Uh, I think honestly, Discover has one of the best, is one of the best software centers of any of the- That's still a low you know. bar because all of our <laughs> software centers are pretty bad. So the best of <laughs> software centers, I'm just being honest, like they're not very yeah. good. No, no offense to anybody working on that because they've gotten way better. It's just they're all kind of And bugs. it's also a very difficult thing to do, which we yes. do appreciate you putting on the effort. Yes. Uh, yeah. But 
when you compare it to the giant companies that are known for their market stores and whatever, yeah, yeah there could be some improvement. Could use some work. Mm-hmm. Now, Jill, you don't use Snaps much at all. No. In fact, I actually uninstall Snaps completely from my Ubuntu install. <sighs> I, I'm, I'm Debbie and all the way. Deb's all the way. I'm Debs all the way. I love yeah. it. What, what about Flatpaks, Jill? What about Flatpaks? I do use, see, I have a machine that I use for testing when I, I test see. snaps. So she and isolates flat packs. her Flatpaks and her snaps to another machine. Correct. I, okay, okay. She I, isolates the, whole... the isolated packages. <laughs> I like it. Like, I like it. She has a self, she has a self-contained computer for her containered uh, contained uh, packages. <laughs> I like it. I do, Perfect. Michael, but I do run app images on 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 my uh, rig here. So, so Which is I will interesting. Debs and app because app images are a good way to test software. So, you know, this whole story of like Jill starting to come together, Michael. Like Jill is was really kind of famous everywhere we went when we were in California. She only pays with cash. She isolates her containers on an isolated machine. Do you remember that moment when we went to the restaurant and she Uh-oh. handed a briefcase of cash over to the waitress and then yes, came it back was with very the package weird. and then that briefcase and there was an envelope that just came and it was unlabeled. We didn't know what it was and yeah. and, and then as, as somebody walked by and said, "Thank you, Jill. Thank you. Thank you, Jill." Thank you. And it was and we were like, "Well, this is kind of an awkward situation, but I mean, we get it. It's Jill." Yeah, it's Jill. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anyways, it's to, all to be clear for anyone who's curious, that is not remotely true. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> we may have taken a little bit of an exaggeration. Yeah. A little. All right. The most exciting thing for me for Ubuntu, and the reason I was able to actually switch to it and and try it, and I have been on. I'm on it right now on the main production machine, is because they finally put Pipewire in here, which has been a big deal. Yes. I have mm-hmm. to do a lot of complicated things. I've got a video on the DOS Geek channel. You can go check it out and see it. But it's not complicated, even though what we have to do is tie a bunch of rooms together to do this show and patrons can listen in and watch the video while you're all watching on YouTube and Twitch. And this requires audio piping all over the place and these We're things. We're fancy, people. We're fancy. Pipewire makes it fancy. super, super simple. Now, I will say the jack tools are not installed. So it's not quite at the level Fedora has it where yeah. all of the yeah. jack tool implementations and everything is there by default. That's not the case with Ubuntu, but I can use instead of QJack CTL, this QW graph tool, and that allows me to do the same thing. And it was more meant for pipe wire. So right now everybody's piped in through the QW graph tool. So while I don't have all the same tools that I could in Fedora, I've I'm able to accomplish the goal, which at the end of the day, yeah. is good enough for me. It still has Pipewire's uh, functionality of being able to use uh, Pro Tools to some degree, which is fantastic. Now, I would love for that to be that Jack support to be included. Hopefully, in the next release, they yeah. do have that because the the Jack support of Pipewire is one of the things that makes Pipewire amazing. Now, Pipewire is already good. And by itself, and it has these extra features, and there's a lot of improvements overall compared to Pulse Audio and that sort of thing. But having the access to Jack and the Jack suite of tools is kind of mind-blowing when you don't have to do any of the setup of getting Jack installed in your system. So hopefully in the next release, or and especially in the next LTS, that they have all of that settled so we can have like the full-blown Pipewire because Pipewire is bay. Yes, it's awesome. What does that mean? And it, it worked really. 
What is bay? Like bay. People, cool. bay. people bay. drive up to it and drop off packages? Like it's what just is that? Bad. A bay? <laughs> no, no, it's cool. It, that's cool. The bay is cool it's now. Dope. Is that what uh, I'm supposed to be bay, taking away? Bay is, it's, bay, bay is a is, is a is a term of affection. And, yeah. was, <laughs> and, we're t- and now you're making it really you weird. You know why how <laughs> it's so hard to learn English. Like people will tell you when they're trying to learn it, it's so hard. And it's because we keep making up stupid words. Like we're still <laughs> yeah. making there is no settled language. It's still constantly being made of what is bay? What, it's just, so bay. What, what does that even Ryan, mean? Ryan, just stop being a muggle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> muggle. <laughs> is that some Harry Potter thing? Oh, you never saw yes. it. Okay, never mind. Yes, I don't yes. need to oh, because oh, muggle. muggle legit is in the dictionary now. It is, yeah. yeah. So what? Whatever. <laughs> Moving on. And uh, Pipewire actually works great while gaming or watching YouTube and for all your audio needs. It works yes. great out of the box on Ubuntu 22.10. <laughs> I saw some people on Reddit talking about the fact that they didn't know that Ubuntu had moved over to Pipewire. Yeah. And then people were replying back, that means we did it right. So, yeah. like, because you don't even that's notice the exactly. that it switched. Yeah. That's, great yeah. There. that's that's one of the reasons why Pipewire is so impressive because, like, if you, when you implement Pipewire or you get Pipewire in a default setup, if you try to implement it yourself, you will see there's an there's some issues. But when you have the distro by default, that's why we were so excited to see Pipewire by default in Ubuntu and also why we've been wanting that to happen for a very long time because the value that Pipewire offers is so good. And at the same time, it's not necessarily a drop-in replacement, but it feels like it. And that's what's so interesting about it. So some other things I noticed, gaming with Lutris and Steam worked very well in Ubuntu, so mad props Mm -hmm. to them for that. I like how Snaps have permission controls, which are very easily accessible from within the store, which makes sense. So. If I go into the store and I install a snap, right there, there will be a little cog wheel that I can click and I can set permissions for the snap of what it can access, what it can't. That's very easy, very smart way, I thought, of of handling that. And one of the other things I love about Ubuntu is just the documentation. Not necessarily their documentation, which is good. I mean, it's not arch good, it's good. Uh, But the fact that so many people use Ubuntu, that you're definitely probably going to find an answer for your problem um, searching mm-hmm. for it. So that's one of the advantages. It's a first class citizen when it comes to software availability as well. Like Jill said, she can just uninstall snaps and just use deb. And that's because it's mm-hmm. kind of everybody, if you're gonna have an application on Linux, you're probably going to start with a deb file or have a deb file for it for install. I, I also like the fact that, that Ubuntu gives you options to make changes if you want to in a lot of cases. Like for example, you're talking about the snaps having permission controls. There was one thing that snaps did for a, like, and for people were, you know, since the beginning of the snaps uh, format becoming popular, a little bit of backlash for it of not being able to control when updates happen. And recently Ubuntu announced that they have made it where you can hold off updates for as long as you want on whatever snap you want. So they are listening in that situation and that's great. And also the documentation thing that you mentioned is is pretty cool because they, in addition to all the documentation that's out there in general, just because a lot of people use it, they have now put a lot of effort into their documentation themselves, as well as they have a documentation uh, lead that they hired who literally created a framework for documentation. And I, so I saw this talk recently know. that was really interesting where the person's like, 
Raise your hand if you don't use Arch, but you've used Arch Wiki to solve some of your problems. That sounds so familiar. Yeah. Oh, it was me. It was yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> and almost the whole room raised their hand, right, Michael? And, it was uh, about 80%. Yep. Yeah. And it, it so, was interesting I mean, because the other people, yeah. I, I talked to a few afterwards, and they said they didn't raise their hand because they used Arch. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. <there you> <laughs> Uh, but it shows you how important documentation could be. And I think it's awesome they're taking some steps to even have better documentation there. When it comes to issues, like overall just concluding with issues, my main issue with Ubuntu remains the same. Snaps are not my favorite. I don't hate them, but they're just barely okay to me. And hardware enablement is too slow. It falls behind Fedora. It falls behind Arch. It falls behind OpenSUSE. Their hardware enablement stinks. So if I go and get a new motherboard tomorrow, the new AMD processor, new Intel, new, not even brand new, maybe six months old hardware. Mm -hmm. I've had experiences multiple times over my years in Linux where it just won't work in Ubuntu because, but it will work in Fedora Arch because the hardware enablement is just so slow. So if you've got a stable platform, you want a stable platform, you're not changing out your hardware to anything new. Ubuntu is like an amazing experience, but those are my two big issues with Ubuntu right now. Well, for me, snaps are a hit or miss. Like they're both fantastic in certain cases and also sometimes kind of annoying. You know, if you're using snaps on other, other distros, they can be more cumbersome because like the fonts are not loading or something like that. But overall, there are times where I wanted to use a software and they only had a snap. And I, I'm very thankful that there is a way to use that software, though. So in that sense, I do appreciate Snaps. Uh, the hardware enablement thing that you said is is something that I think is probably the most critical piece of Ubuntu and their and their release cadence of every six months you get updates to the hardware enablement. And for some people, that's not fast enough. Like you were talking about, like people getting new hardware. If it's if it's brand new hardware, you're going to be waiting six months to even use the distro that is most commonly recommended for people. And that's disappointing. I wish there was a way that they could do the hardware enablement stuff much like you know faster to support these types of hardware so that people who are on the latest and greatest can more easily get into Linux because of it being one of the go-to options. And personally, everyone knows that I am like just crazy about updates. I love updates. I do it all <laughs> the time. So I need to have all these new updates you know, yes. as fast as possible. Right, Ryan? You, that's, that's, yes, that's I'm known you. for that. <laughs> that's yeah. you. Uh, back, uh, what are you on? Fedora 35 still? Uh, but anyways. Yes, 35. <laughs> one of the things I do want to mention too, because a lot of people say, well, it's not a big deal. I use hardware, not people like you, Ryan. I use hardware from 15 years ago. Eventually your hardware will break. You will go to the store to buy a new machine. At that point, Ubuntu may not work for that machine. So at some point, everyone gets a new machine. And, and so it does affect everyone, even people who aren't hardware addicts like me and Jill. So yeah. this is something. Well, and me, right? There is one thing, um, a request I can make. I'm on like, the show. I download, I download um, the new Mesa drivers with a, with a PPA. And if they included that in the... Yeah, but if they included something easy for the beginner to to do that in the software center, then you can have updated, you know, those updated Mesa drivers. So whenever I get a new AMD card, I, I do that on my Ubuntu machines. Yeah. But I know how mm -hmm. to do that. You know, the average <laughs> user doesn't. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The, Type the beginner in this really long, know. confusing, complicated yeah. <laughs> command that tends to break on updates at times and and also problems. swap out yeah. your kernel or your drivers and you know, yeah, good yeah, luck. Yeah. I mean, there are yeah. times where I look at these tutorials and I'm kind of like, well, 
<laughs> this is an unfortunate situation still, even though it's it's in some cases technically possible. It's just not practical for most people. So that's really the big issue. Yeah. And, that, they, and that's and, the issue. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of things like, for example, Kubuntu, I did need to use a PPA in order to get the latest version of KDE Plasma because they have like they have this backports PPA system. It yes. depends on where you get the PPA, Ryan. Uh -huh. So, yeah. um, as a user, I am shocked you would use PPA. It's completely unsafe. And you can compile the that, latest. That doesn't kernel. even compute. Like, I don't even get yeah. it. I don't, like, I don't, that, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, you can compile the latest kernel as well, which I've done, but that, that takes knowledge of knowing how yeah. to compile. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah. We, okay, we just so, want, we just want Ubuntu to think about like, maybe improving the speed of which the heart, like they already do, the, yeah. the heart enablement they do is good. We just would hope that if they did it faster, faster. it would be easier for Even people West who are getting has, new hardware. Even Pop has done better in hardware enablement than yeah. Ubuntu. Like they've put patches in the for AMD kernel, and things the, and this stuff. Yeah. So yeah, it could be done. Uh, in conclusion, Ubuntu has a nostalgia that draws me in like an old 90s cartoon. Like I just, I install nice. it and I remember Yes. what it was like getting into Linux for the first time. So I will always have love for it. Uh, there was nothing super innovative in it, but it's static and it's predictable. And that's something really nice mm -hmm. I've come to learn <laughs> with production machines or uh, people like Michael who rarely update their computers anyway. We just talked about how I update all the time. I mean, come on, yeah. we just <laughs> talked about that. Yeah, so I, I would love to see a couple things. I'd love to see Ubuntu take some risk again. I'd like to see them do more innovation on the desktop. I think they could easily become king of the desktop uh, again, at least in, in my mind and with people's hearts. Uh, I'm enjoying my time with Ubuntu, but I'm, I'm one hardware upgrade away, I fear, from not being able to use it. So that's always <laughs> in the back of my mind. Yeah. But uh, if static predictability is the goal, you're running servers, uh, you have production machines, Ubuntu is just solid. It's solid and it's a staple of Linux. And I think the team's done a good job with what they have. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And have, you know, honestly, I've been using Ubuntu since Ubuntu 4.10 Warty Warthog, 18 years ago. You remember that release? <laughs> I do. Ryan does not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't know what you're talking about, Michael. I use it to this day. For sure you do. Now, I would say that um, we talked about some other things about the hardware upgrade issues and stuff like that. There are some issues with, with Ubuntu in general, just like there are for any distro. But, you know, Ubuntu has provided a lot of value to the community and also to us over the years. Mm -hmm. And I like the whole 90s cartoon thing. So is it yes. is like Ubuntu, like the Ninja Turtles of yes. Linux? He-Man, <laughs> Ninja he Turtles, Gargoyles. Yeah. Like I'm talking good 90s cartoons here too. Right, yeah. right, right. I th I first thought Gargoyles, by the way. That's just like the first thing that popped in my head. I don't know why, hey, but it was. I, I knew I liked you. Gargoyles. Like, Gargoyles is excellent. Yes, it has a lot so of the good. Star Trek <laughs> actors do voiceovers. Yes, I so did good. not know that. Yeah. I didn't know that either, actually. That's yeah. interesting. So I'm going to go watch some Gargoyles after this. Definitely. Well, you know what the first thing I installed on my new Ubuntu installation was? And I'm not even like doing this as part of the ad read. It really was, was Bitwarden. Like as soon as I get a machine up and running, the first thing I do is Bitwarden because Bitwarden Makes is sense. my access into everything else. And you need to be using Bitwarden as well. This episode of Destination Linux is brought to you by Bitwarden. Go to bitwarden.com 
slash T-U-X. You have to go to that URL so they know we sent you. So it's bitwarden.com slash T-U-X. And Bitwarden is a password manager software that allows you peace of mind knowing that your online accounts are secure. Bitwarden provides you the tools to store all your passwords in a secured vault, auto-generate those passwords and their usernames for you, automatically fill those in on the forms. So much less work, so easy and secure for your accounts. You can access your data across all your devices, your web browser, mobile app, desktop applications, even the command line. Bitwarden seals and encrypts your private data with end-to-end -end encryption. Here's the key part, before it leaves your device, so you know you're the only person with access to your data. Go to bitwarden.com slash tux. You can sign up for free, completely free, and just start using it. There's no credit card, nothing needed, but you're gonna wanna support this awesome project, and for $10 per year, you get a gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step with login, YubiKey, U2F, and Duo. I use YubiKey personally. Vault Health Reports, Bitwarden Authenticator, Priority Customer Support, all that for less than a dollar per month. Come on, go to bitwarden.com slash TUX and get started. Thanks to Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of Destination Linux. In the news this week, we have Fedora 37 is out. And as a person who is still using Fedora 35, of course I'm going to be updating very soon, Ryan. Very <laughs> like soon. Yes. Four years. At least. some point, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have it. I almost got his machine updated, folks, before he became a man baby and got sick at my house. So he he got he gave me the flu, Aww. people. So I what was happened gonna, was he gave me the flu uh, and it oh, ruined no. so many things. And I <laughs> Such and we were going baby. to do upgrades. We were going to do hardware updates, and and he gave me the flu. I oh my god! So bad for Michael. Uh, he, Michael's mom specifically. He's a six foot four man baby. But I was going to sneak. I'm not a man baby. I did not. I did not call my mama for that. In fact, I told her to stay awake because I didn't want to get her sick because I Such care about not getting people sick, Ryan. Unlike Aww. some people. <laughs> so Fedora 37, back on topic. Let's talk. About oh right, that. we're doing a show, man, baby. Isn't wow, wow. <laughs> I, I guess I call you Flu Boy. <laughs> Blue boy. <laughs> patient zero. You can call me patient, patient zero. zero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so Fedora 37 was actually originally uh, intended to be coming out in October, but it, it was delayed a little bit due to some security issues that were being um, fixed in OpenSSL. And this made a lot of sense because Fedora was like, hey, we're going to push it back because these are some critical issues that we need to make sure that they're done before we publish it because we don't want to have to, you know, make people install something and then it's not be as secure as it can be. So it makes total sense that they would have pushed it back like that. And when the OpenSSL patches came out, we found out the critical security was downgraded to high security. So it wasn't as bad as we initially thought. That's actually pretty good because it's always better for a security better thing to than go so. down. Right, yeah. exactly. Good and job, it's, it's Dora. Yeah, it's, it's a good decision, and it, it's, it's, it wasn't as bad as we thought it was going to be, but I still, may, I still agree that the decision that they made to push it back was the right one. Just to clarify there, this wasn't a Fedora issue. It was an open SSL issue. Fedora was right, being completely different cautious thing. to make sure that you had the most secure system possible, which is awesome. But... Fedora 37 is awesome. It comes with some really neat features. The best one is GNOME 43, Michael. Tell us about oh. how much you love GNOME, Michael. So GNOME 43 <laughs> is a really interesting thing. It comes with a new like quick settings thing. Yeah. And there's yeah. a new device security panel. And also KDE, uh, KDE Plasma, is an, there's an addition in Fedora 37 for that as well. And it's fantastic. So just I'm just letting people know. There, huh? 
I mean, for those who don't know that there is a KDE edition of Fedora, there is, and it's great. So, you know, just letting that, you know, just let that marinate for people. You know. What else is in Fedora, Michael? Gnome. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm not sure what you're trying to say. But hey. I mean, there are some improvements to like the the latest version of the workstation. Like they've made updates to the GTK toolkit, which is yeah. great for those who like GTK and are not using the, the better toolkit, which is called Qt, and inside of KDE Plasma. Uh, for those who don't, you know, aren't aware of that, you can go ahead and check that out, the KDE edition. And oh. there's <laughs> there's <laughs> also there's also some big improvements to uh, the Fedora server, and yeah. that's great because it now produces uh, KVM KVM disk images to make running servers and a virtual machine much easier. And probably one of the biggest things that is uh, in this release is Raspberry Pi 4 support is now officially available for Fedora Linux. I love that it's available, except nobody can get Raspberry Pis. So, like, yeah. <sighs> what a frustrating experience. So, unfortunately, the, the timing's Supposedly, not great. <laughs> they're supposed to be fixing the issue with the whole hardware problem but yeah that's kind of a it, it is cool though i can't wait to play with fedora on a raspberry pi 4 you I have to i wait, don't have to wait because i have like five you have of a them. four okay i've got okay, lots cool. of them i actually gave cool. one to wendy recently too because she nice. needed one for an actual project whereas mine so are i don't ahead. have a four a pi 4 ryan uh if you happen to have a spare one <laughs> no i gave oh. one to wendy i will not give one to you like I can give you one of mine, Michael. No, no that's Jill. okay. Don't you that's do okay. it, Jill. He's Don't a man baby. <laughs> I you, have that's a... the least you could do, Ryan. <laughs> you gave me the flu. You should at least give me a Pi 4. Come on. Aww. I have two uh, Pi 4s, and then I have also the Raspberry Pi 400, which is the fastest Pi 4. <laughs> yeah, that's a very cool one. Plus, Michael, yeah. you skipped to this part, but there are other Fedora yeah. spins as well. But we're not talking sure. about KDE spin. There are a lot of good spins. I, I was just saying that KDE happens to be a really good spin. That's all I'm saying. Huh. I wonder who on the show is a KDE fan. Write uh, yeah. in to let I us know. know. Who knows? You think who knows? Uh, the host is actually a fan of KDE. Uh, Fedora Comp Neuro, which provides tools for computational neuroscience and alternate architectures cool. for ARM, um, Arch64, Power, S390X, all of this stuff. You got so many spins out there. So don't just yeah. think when you go to the download site because you just see you know, the GNOME version there, that that's all you got. Go check out those Fedora spins because they're pretty yeah. dope. There's lots of them. In fact, there's a KDE edition, if you weren't aware. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're totally bay. It's to yeah, the KDE, the Fedora KDE is bay for sure. Totally bay. Uh, Don't be a muggle. Get Fedora KDE edition. And uh, there are actually two new Fedora editions as well. Fedora Core OS, not to be confused with the original uh, Fedora Core. Um, Fedora I, no, I Core. wanted to be. I wanted <laughs> yeah. to be. I, I love the fact that when 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 they announced that Core OS was joining Fedora, I was like, yes, yeah. we get Fedora Core back. Awesome. We, forget, we get it back. For those who don't so. know, Fedora first started as being called Fedora Core. Yeah. So I, I just enjoyed that <laughs> in general. It's just fun. I just enjoyed it. It's really it. nice. And so, yeah, Fedora Core OS is actually the successor to Atomic Host. And it offers an automatic update mechanism, you know, geared towards hosting container-based workloads, which is wonderful. And they also have a new addition, Fedora Cloud, which provides a great Fedora base to run in your favorite public or private cloud. 
Nice. Also, this is really good. The Fedora Core is a, is like a self-contained container-based thing. Yeah. You could actually put that on one of your computers that you are, so you can isolate your distro to isolate your packages. This is true, for fl- fl- Flat packs and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Lots of containers Very right true. there. Fedora, to me, is just one of the greatest distros out in Linux right now. I think it's, 100%. it encompasses everything I want in a distro at this moment. There are other great distros. Do not get me wrong. I love Arch. We like Ubuntu. a lot of distros, people. Like, mm-hmm. But Fedora, to love me, if, if well, maybe we'll do an awards show towards the end of the year. <laughs> maybe we should do, and we could send That's a, good idea. a trophy. With our budget, that trophy would be made of, well, I probably have to 3D, <laughs> a paper mache trophy to the Fedora team <laughs> or whoever wins. We don't know who will win. It could be anyone. Yeah, you shouldn't assume, right? That's <laughs> yeah. ridiculous. We have to go through the committee and do like yeah. an Emmys or Grammys thing or whatever. Like you can't. But honestly, okay. the Fedora team, not only their community outreach, but just their their end product is mm-hmm. just yeah. been absolutely next level this year. Fedora is fantastic, and also we know, we know just like. The Twitter thing about how it didn't, I, I didn't have that problem. We also know that there was some issues, you know, a few weeks ago where people were talking about Fedora doing something that wasn't at all what people were claiming it was, like saying they were ruining the desktop. And it, it isn't that big of a deal because there's the thing is that they still have support for those codecs. Oh, that's the codecs? Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was just, wondering just where you're not going. That, they just they still have support for those codecs. It's just not hardware accelerated support. That's the difference. It's not like you can't watch Netflix or anything. So when people like exaggerate stuff, I just wanted to clarify: Fedora is still good, even though you may have heard something like that. It's pretty nonsense. Yeah. So great job, Fedora team! Exciting release. Awesome job on thirty-seven, and also kudos for being willing to hold Fedora back, even though the issue didn't end up being as big as everyone thought. You did yeah. the right step to t- take yeah. a look, take care Absolutely. of your users, which is yeah. the exactly. It's good that they took the time to make like to consider it. It's also good that the thing that they had to consider wasn't as bad as we thought it was going to be. So good in both sides, all sides. Mm-hmm. Do you dream of getting off this planet? Yes. Uh, all and, the time. And you know what? When you go, <laughs> when you take off on. Uh, from this planet, you might want to use something really stable like Fedora 37 or Ubuntu 22.10. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can actually uh, practice building a ship with this chill spaceship building game called Astral Shipwreck. Yeah, Shipwreck. Now, Shipwreck is what happens when I... That's when you're using Windows in your system. So shipwright is when you're using yes. yes, and I always read it as shipwreck, and yes, it's astral shipwright, and it's a game that lets you build and upgrade your personal ship to travel around a cool, strange planet. So the, the game is actually still being uh, built out and developed, but there's lots of uh, lots of updates are promised, and people are already enjoying it. And in, in fact, when I downloaded my copy, there was a new update just on Thursday, which nice. brings new nice. spacecraft equipment, a uh, new main drive, a uh, new advanced thruster, and a new large solar array to put on your ship. Cool. Very cool. And it's 
really a really fun game. You can build your ship and add new components and then fill, fill them with new modules and equipment and make your ship truly yours and uh, put a nice coat of paint on it. <laughs> nice. Now, they're saying, Michael, in the next 10 years, I saw an article, I didn't click in it and read it, and I don't even know if it was from a legitimate source, but I'm reporting on it here. Anyway, they <laughs> naturally said naturally. that in 10 years, there will be a colony on the moon. I think we should be the first podcast on the moon, and we should do a Absolutely. fundraiser to send us all to the moon to do Destination Linux from the moon. 100%. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. And we'll design since our they ship. Use Linux to get there. <laughs> yes. And we're going to design and our ship in astral shipwreck. <laughs> shipwright. I like how you, 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 like, right, you were student. close to saying it right and then turned it wrong. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because, but, um, yeah. I do think that that'd be, that's, we definitely need to do this. That's uh, absolutely. I also wanted to point out that sometimes Ryan is like, it feels like you're trying to find obscure games because uh, this game just came out just like a few maybe like a couple less than two weeks ago something like yeah. that and also i was like i wonder what the reviews like now to be fair because it's so new it doesn't have a lot of reviews but it kind of made me smile it's like yep he's putting in effort to find obscure things to talk about so we can promote it and give you know a space for these uh, types of games on the yeah. on the everybody on the, hears the about AAA stuff, right? Exactly. Yeah. I, I yeah. just I wanted to point it out because I just appreciate the effort you go through Aww, to you, do that. Yeah. There you you're go. still a man, baby, but thank you. I appreciate. You're still Aww. flu boy, but you're you did the good on the uh, you're still you did good on the gaming part. <laughs> and I am just happy, Ryan. It's not a horror game, so that makes yes. me happy. <laughs> well, it so. would be horrible <laughs> if I was in there designing a ship. It would be a horror game. <laughs> I think like we'd be alien. thrusting right into a planet, probably, with no direction. Totally <laughs> change direction. Uh, this reminds me of the Kerbal Space Program. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. A little bit where you're designing yeah. these ships. Maybe not quite as advanced yet, yeah. but more realistic looking. Yeah, it look it looks more realistic. And uh, the Kerbal Space Program has been around for a long time, so they've had a lot Amazing of Amazing project. Develop. Yeah. Yeah, it's really a really good game. Uh, so I'm looking forward to see, you know, what this April, Astral Shipwreck Yes. Does. Shipwreck, <laughs> shipwright, Michael. Uh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> He's talking about when he pilots. That's what everyone's exactly. doing. Yeah. As when I try to build a ship, that's what it's called. It's going to be shipwreck. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it is nice to have an easy game. Kerbal um, has a, a long learning curve, but it's a wonderful game, and, I, and I, mm. I've enjoyed playing it. So this game, you can just get right in and, and, and start building your ship. And... You know, there's never enough space exploration games for the dreamers and all of us, of course. Agreed. So, so everyone, never you know, uh, check, check this one out if you're interested in games with a little more depth and imagination needed. Uh, and okay. it supports our Linux penguins out of the box. And Astral Shipwright can be had for $9.99 on Steam. So I suggest for like it for that. a chill building experience. There you go. In our software spotlight, we're going to talk about in your Ubuntu installation, you're in GNOME, there is an extension I want you to get, and that is called Simply Workspace. Now, all my friends out there that use i3, Polybar, and all of that, this is for you. You're going to love this. Mm -hmm. So even though you're in GNOME, you're not in your favorite i3, though you can install i3 very easily in Ubuntu, 
you can still have that workspace switcher, that nice in the indicator panel, like the i3 polybar does, where it just has the simple one, two, three, and you could switch between workspaces, and I freaking dig that. I absolutely love it. It's one of my favorite workspace switchers in a window manager, and so that's what this extension provides you for, and when you install it, you can thank me later, because it's awesome, and I'm using it right now. That's where I keep all of the stuff we pipe in and all the audio stuff on another workspace, and actually, while we were talking, I could switch between workspaces by clicking one, two, three, or how many workspaces you have. It's so nice. So nice. Sweet. It also helps you with counting, Ryan. That's so it's so good. <laughs> well, I can only get to three, so I'll only have three workspaces, but my <laughs> wife tells me if I keep practicing, I can get to that next you, number that comes you after can, three. Well, so yeah, you can go to there. four, and then you'd have four lights. Four is it? Oh, my goodness. Oh, the Star Trek ah! Oh, my goodness. Jill. Another Star Trek reference. That is so good. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Something else that will be good is to check out the tip of the week. And that is, we're going to be talking about something that just to customize your system. And there's a lot of times where people who um, are, you know, you kind of want to make it look a little bit more fancy. And the way you can do that is you could change icon sets, you can change your wallpaper like Ryan sometimes does. And you can also change fonts. A lot of people are unaware that you can customize the fonts in pretty much your entire system by making, you can install special fonts. You can also do it in different ways that different distros have. So if you're new to Ubuntu or Fedora, then you can change by, you know, for example, with Ubuntu, you can do sudo apt install fonts dash whatever the name is. So like fonts dash Roboto, and you can get the Roboto fonts installed into your system. There are other, other, other ways that you can install. Like for example, if you're using Kubuntu or anything that has KDE Plasma, you also have the there ability to use their font management system that's built into the system yeah. settings to easily I don't install understand. any of the fonts that you get. And you can just go download those fonts from wherever you can get them. For example, like the uh, Google Fonts directory is a yeah. fantastic place to get fonts. And there's a lot of other ones. So go check that out. And also be sure to check out KDE Plasma, which has a really nice way to install fonts. You know what? It's not easier than GNOME. Let me tell you what I do on GNOME. First, I go into GNOME, okay. I launch settings, I look through settings to try to find uh -huh. fonts. I don't find any. Right. Then I go to my application launcher and I type mm -hmm. in fonts, and then there is right. a program, so I launch it, but it just shows me what fonts are there, and there's nothing okay. you can really sure. do with it. But then what I do is I go and I open my browser and I search, how the heck do I change fonts in GNOME? And then mm. I find that you need GNOME Tweak. So then I go and open Ubuntu Software Store. <laughs> I install GNOME Tweak. And then once I install mm. GNOME Tweak, I go in that and I search for where the font thing is. And then finally I can change fonts. That's how easy it is in GNOME. That seems very <laughs> easy. That's, I, I mean, I, I, I'm kind of surprised how easy it is, Ryan. But for comparison's sake, yeah. if you want to install a font, what you do is you 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 also didn't talk about downloading the font itself, so that's an extra oh, step yes. there for you. I gotta you. do that. So yeah. so it, we'll we'll just kind of talk about the, the the KDE Plasma style. So what you do is so complicated. You you go into system settings where mm -hmm. all your settings are going to be, and then you go to uh, fonts and then you install them. I don't <laughs> get it. Does it make any I, sense? I mean, it's it's so complicated, right, Ryan? It's so complicated. It is. KDE is so confusing. I use MLFM as root or PCManFM as root and just drag and drop in the yes. That's a, that's a little bit more complicated than the other <laughs> stuff, actually. <laughs> I guess 
slow, but it's still quick. Still cool. Have your you own have to know to where the folders it. are, yeah. Jill. Yeah. So if, <laughs> if someone who's new to Linux, then they want to like, I want to install font. Don't with know. Plasma, yeah. it's just a button and that's it. And know, with nice. it's a little bit more like, because they actually have to know what folder structure there is to put the fonts in. So True. I do think that you're, once you already know, it's very easy to just drag and drop. But, yeah. you know, <laughs> all I'm saying, I, all I'm saying is that the tip ups. of the week. Yeah. I'm just saying the tip of the week is uh, KDE Plasma. <laughs> <laughs> tip of the week is KDE Plasma. <laughs> All right, someone cut Michael off. Cut his mic. Okay. Well, thankfully, we're at the end of the show. So a big thank you to each and every one of you for supporting us by watching or listening to Destination Linux. However you do it, we love your faces. We're here every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern live at tuxdigital.com slash live. The best part, everyone is invited to watch the recording of Destination Linux each and every week, and we can't wait to see you in the chat. We also have our glorious patrons with us right now. We talked about it with Pipewire, where we have the patrons in a separate room that we connect our videos and audio and send it back and forth so they can be involved into it and they can watch it live. Now, you can watch it live as well, like Ryan said, but you also get the ability, if you're a patron, to watch it without any delay and also con contribute in our patron-only post-show, which happens every week after the show. And in addition to that, if you do miss it and you can't be here live, that's okay because patrons get access to the unedited versions of the show. And you can become a patron by going to tuxdigital.com slash contribute to sign up. You know what? You also Scratch that record. Scratch that record. I'm going to say here, and I'm not asking permission. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> the patron benefits are about <laughs> to blow up. Like we have this thing coming it's going to blow your it's freaking true. minds. Yeah. It, it's going to be unbelievable. It's coming. That's all I'm going to yes. say. It's coming. Aww. We may tell the patrons Secret. after the show, but Secret. for those who Secret. are not patrons yet. It's going to blow your freaking mind. You, it's definitely, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. Uh, also, something you're going to love is the Tux Digital Store, where you can go yeah. get awesome swag. We have t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers, hats. So much great stuff. And well, at least Ryan pointed to his hat this time. There's a <laughs> lot of great stuff going to tuxdigital.com slash store to pick it up. And make sure to check out all the incredible shows here on Tux Digital. We have the Pseudo Show, This Week in Linux, the DOS Geek Channel, Linux Out Loud, Hardware Addicts, GameSphere, and our virtual Linux user group, Linux Saloon. So everyone head to textdigital.com and subscribe to all these awesome shows. And don't forget to leave a rating on your favorite app so others can discover the power of open source and keep those penguins marching in the full Monty of Linux and open source awesome sauce. You know, I just want to mention Cubicle Nate does such an amazing job with Linux Saloon every Saturday. Mm -hmm. If you're one of those yeah. people, I, I, I know a lot of people are introverts and they don't know how to kind of get out there that they want to build their network and things. Linux Saloon is a virtual lug that you can join. You, you can sit in that chat and not say mm -hmm. anything or turn on your camera. You can kind of lurk, but then you can start yeah. slowly getting involved because it's so casual and so welcoming what Nate does with that entire crew there, everybody that helps out to make Linux Saloon a thing. So it's just a really good place to chill and hang out every Saturday. Check out, make sure you're there at the Linux Saloon. And everybody, have a great week. And remember that the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Thanks, everyone. Aw, love. <laughs> Most of you. <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs>